0: Hi, I'm Tim. This is We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. I think one of the best ways for each of us to grow as people is by learning from each other. If you enjoy today's episode, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever app you're listening from. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Nick Staggy who is a husband, a father. He's the chief marketing officer at Wooly, a company that sells software which helps businesses discover and interact with their best customers. And Nick, I'll admit, um I was totally when I first had heard the name Wooly, I was picturing like this outdoor uh apparel brand based in like Utah, um having known nothing about Wooly. And then I, you know, looked up what Wooly was and it was totally different than that. Um, did I do a good job of explaining what Wooly is?
1: Yeah, I think you did a great job. Um, we like to have fun, and and the name is definitely unique and out there. But you know, at the core, Wooly is is about building real relationships with customers. We think that too many brands are are removed from their customers. Uh, I spent years working with GoPro, and they sold. Uh, an insane amount of money every year through Best Buy. In fact, the last year I was there it was a quarter of a billion dollars.
0: Whoa. And we didn't
1: know who any of those customers were. And then direct to consumer brands start coming out and e-commerce starts taking over and and people have this direct relationship but they've kind of they've kind of ruined it through advertising and customers don't trust traditional advertising anymore. So the whole concept of woolly is to create personal relationships with your customers and then helping and empowering them to talk about your brand with the people that they spend their days with, their friends and family and neighbor and coworkers. And so the whole concept was brands really need to know their herd and stay connected to their herd. And so a sheep became our mascot and Wooly became our name.
0: Oh, I love that. That's a nice tie-in. Yes. You mentioned the personal relationships and I'm such a big believer in that. The one, one area I've noticed probably in the past six months, but is LinkedIn, this network that's been around, this social network that's been around for I think about a decade now, traditionally been this place for professionals to connect, to network, to theoretically advance your professional career, find opportunities. In the past six months, I have seen this, and I don't think it's happened in the past six months, but I think I've seen it myself more than before, has just become this place for like personal relationships. I have seen, you know, this is how I found you. I don't remember someone in my network must have liked one of your LinkedIn posts or commented on it or something. And I saw this post from you, you know, in my mind being so vulnerable on this network, which is somewhere that I've felt really comfortable lately being vulnerable. And it's, I'm really so fascinated by this because it's this place where again, you're supposed to be like your business self, but I just feel so at home being like just me, whatever that means. Um, but yeah, personal relationships is is something that I've seen kind of surface through through LinkedIn. And so as I mentioned, like I discovered uh discovered you. <laughs> I got to know uh who you were. Just you are Nick Staggy, uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Woolly from this LinkedIn post you posted. And I want to read part of it because it's the part that really just kind of stopped me in my tracks. Um, in the sense of like, here you are sharing this amazing deep thought about yourself with theoretically a lot of people you know, but a lot of people you don't know, including myself. The post said, I struggle with anxiety and depression. It's a battle I've had for 30 years. It comes and goes in waves. Sometimes the water is smooth and I can sit back and enjoy the moment. Sometimes I can see the waves coming with enough time to swim to safety. And sometimes I'm completely blindsided as they crash over me. And that was the very beginning of the post. And Nick, that just like, to me, was so beautiful and so succinct. But at the same time, that's really a powerful statement. I mean, anxiety and depression is not something light, right? And and you expressed yeah. that you've had this in your life for a long time. What, and and I don't mean this in like a, you know, how dare you, but like, what inspired you to share that with, like I said, a network that included someone like myself who, Literally, I'd never heard of you and you never heard of me prior to that moment. Yeah, I don't,
1: you know, I don't know. Um, boy, for a lot of years, I was active on LinkedIn and I was my business self and everything was calculated and um, had some connection to a campaign, the company I was working for was running or... Uh, aligned with the vision of where our company was headed, and at some point, I just stopped doing that, and I just started to post things that I was thinking and feeling real time with, without a content strategy. Right? It was like, look, I'm just gonna peel this back, and I'm gonna be myself, and it's been it's been astonishing how warm and comforting and supportive seemingly a bunch of strangers have been. Um, it's not about metrics. It's not about followers. It's it's about building these real relationships and connections. And I can tell you, even to that point, one thing that I, I started in January was, I invited 75 people who I really admire and respect, and maybe I've worked with them, or some I've just met on LinkedIn, but we have a strong connection. I've invited them to join this Slack group, and the rules are pretty simple: like, be there to help each other, don't ever sell, and uh, be kind to one another, and. It's amazing in a few weeks just how, how our my relationship with these people has evolved and how people who had never known each other are getting together for coffee and starting business ideas together it, literally in two weeks. And it's just come from this desire to be real and to be honest with yourself and with other people. So Again, it it hasn't been something that was calculated. It just kind of happened naturally. In fact, the day that I posted that, um, I was working and I was feeling uh, this wave of anxiety hit over me, and I just thought, man, it would. I'm gonna I'm gonna share this. And as I hit send, I was really scared. I was really scared to publish that. Because you just don't know how strangers are going to react. You don't know how your coworkers and friends and family are going to act. Um, but I've received nothing but an outpour of support and warmth, and my inbox has been flooded with with messages uh, where we've we've gone really deep with my struggles and with their struggles and totally random complete strangers having really intimate deep conversations with one another and although the it doesn't necessarily make the anxiety or the depression go away somehow it's really comforting and it's it's helpful
0: you mentioned that's amazing that's so amazing and like the way you described The way you used to treat LinkedIn is so exactly parallel to me. And this is so kind of eerie right now because I'm thinking that's the same transition I went through in my mind of like, I used to always think of this as a tool to support some business endeavor or some goal I have. And I need to be calculated. I love that word you use, calculated. I need to make sure it's business related. I got to show just this side of myself. And similar to you, one day I was just like, screw it. Like, yeah, I'm just going to like start posting me. And like, if you want to hire me, like, this is me. (laughs) But more importantly, what you said about the strangers on LinkedIn, I wonder if, as you said that, I wonder if that's something that's maybe what I see here is, and maybe this is what's happening, but like, we as people, you know, if you think about in a professional network setting, we're using this tool professionally, or that's how it started, but now it's like, regardless of what career you're in or where you're in in that career or what it is you do for a living, we're just humans who have the same problems as other humans, we have the same struggles, we have the same triumphs, and like the same roller coaster of emotions. And I wonder if that's what we're seeing is just us starting to bond over that. And this has become a place where we feel comfortable. I don't, that's not even a question. That's just a thought I just had.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, it's really interesting um, because I do think we're getting more comfortable and and we're realizing that there doesn't have to be this clean separation of who I am as a person and who I am as an employee or as a business professional, that those two things are actually one and the same. And I think when we recognize that we actually become um, a more well-rounded individual and we probably become a more effective uh, professional, right? I mean, I think it takes, look, I've had the opportunity to work with really great, leaders and, and managers, and this is by no way a knock of them, but it it hasn't been until I came to Wooly and I worked with Scott, uh, Scott Paul's the founder of Wooly, that I felt comfortable sharing that, not questioning, boy, how's he going to react? Is he going to judge me for this? I'm I'm his CMO. I'm sitting on the executive team. I'm going to board meetings. I'm meeting with investors. Is Is this something that's going to tarnish how he views me. And, and I've always questioned that in the past. And with Scott, I didn't question it. Um, What's kind of funny is, I think it was a a few hours later, Scott shared my post with his own comments saying, essentially, like, how, how do you respond when your CMO posts something like this? Six months ago, I I wouldn't have known how to respond. I would have had these questions, but now I'm starting to realize that this is just real life and it's support. And the next day, when I walked into work, Scott high fived me. He you know kind of winked and said, "I'm here for you," and we got to work. and And it actually bonded us closer. So I think it's it's something that that people are starting to realize it's okay to acknowledge that I'm a human being and you're a human being and we have ups and downs and we don't need to hide from those things.
0: That post you mentioned that your CEO, Scott, shared, I saw that too. And it's funny that you mentioned that because when he shared that and it became clear that like he didn't know this about you, my immediate thought was, just like you said about being calculated and, you know, showing that business side, my immediate thought was, well, wait a second. Like Nick didn't run this by Scott to see if it was okay to post this. You know, he's a representative of this company. He's a human, but he's also, you know, like you said, executive and all that. And I thought, well, he didn't run this by Scott. Scott is very supportive, but he's also obviously learning this for the first time. And then I just got that warm feeling like, Oh my gosh, here's just two humans working together. They're obviously great friends. They support each other. And the one human can share who he really is without consulting the other one. They both represent the same brand. And I don't know, it just, you know, warm, fuzzy feelings. It just made me feel like, wow, here's two humans who are truly being themselves and supporting each other. And that can happen with no ulterior motives. Like, you know, I don't know, Scott, um, but I can imagine from what you've said that you know, he just supports you. And, you know, I'm sure that's what it comes down to. And he knows that the great things come from supporting each other. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I was very, I don't know the word for it. I was just, I guess, smiling when I saw that. I just was very happy to see such a exchange and such a positive relationship.
1: Yeah. He's, he's a special guy. He, he understands that, that we're people first and, you know, in our, in our interview, even when, when I, cause I approached Scott, uh, about, about joining Wooly. We had this conversation that my dad taught me many, many years ago. Um, he was a company man. He, you know, he worked for the same company for 30 years and he made sure to teach me though, that he didn't actually work for, for his boss. He worked for his family and, It might sound like semantics, but I think it's, I think it's quite, um, I think there's something beautiful to that, that yeah, Scott signs my paycheck, but I don't work for Scott. I don't, I don't work for Wooly. I happen to work with Scott and I happen to represent Wooly, but at the end of the day, I I work for my family and I work for myself and I have to be honest and true, um, to my family and to myself first, and if I do that, I think it actually makes me a better employee because I don't ever want to let my family down. I don't ever want to put my family in a bad spot, and that that compels me to be the best I can be in a professional setting. But it doesn't mean I have to check my personal life at the door. It doesn't mean that I have to. Um, Disregard the things that I'm feeling or struggling with, or, or elated over. Um, all, you can actually find inspiration in your low moments and your high moments, and it's about being honest with yourself. And hopefully, you're able to work with people who embrace that and are true to themselves and honest with themselves and you as well.
0: I love that. I love that about the the high moments and the low moments too that's something i've been really learning from this podcast is being reminded to remember you know those moments and remember where you were how you got high and how you got low and then being able to learn from that and recognize that you mentioned you're you know working for your family i love that and you know the rest of that linkedin post that initially introduced me to you you kind of talked about how you for years tried to kind of hide this struggle you had from your family, friends, your colleagues. Um, But then, you know, over time you were learning that this is kind of something you didn't have to fight alone. I'm curious, like, what was it along the way that kind of suggested to you that you don't have to do this by yourself?
1: Um, I don't know if there was a, a moment where that hit me. You know, I don't, I don't think, There was a a situation or an instance where that thought happened and snapped into my head. I think just over time, you start to realize that, wow, I, I might be able to hide this from my CEO for six months, but I can't hide it from my wife. I can't hide it from my kids. Even if I don't acknowledge it and talk openly about it, they can sense it. They can feel it. And when you, when a a family is there to help each other and to pick each other up. And if, if I don't give myself, um, if I don't give my family that ability to help me and to pick me up, what kind of husband and dad am I? And I, you know, I want to teach my kids. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be honest with yourself and others and, and to help and to help people and to allow others to help you when it's needed. And I I think that's really strong. My dad's always been the guy who's been the first one to be there to help someone else. And I thought that was the ultimate sign of strength, but I, I don't know when I started to realize this, but I, I think an equally powerful moment of strength is accepting help and recognizing that you need it.
0: I couldn't relate to that more. That's probably the biggest thing I've gotten over the past months of doing this podcast is, and and it comes up with every person I speak to. And I feel like I'm, I've been blessed with the opportunity here to speak with people from different walks of life. And that, that second part you said that, being able to help others is such an amazing thing. I love it. It feels great. And you just love to see that look on that person's face when you really are able to make an impact on them. But that second part of what you said of actually being able to accept help from them is just magnitudes more powerful um, because you're helping them now in a way that you never thought possible. And I I don't know about yourself if you've struggled with this in the past, but I struggled so much with not asking others for help. And also even if they offered help, not accepting it. And not even because I felt like I was too good for it, but just because I could not see why I would need your help. Like I'm an independent human being who is capable of doing this myself. So I just love that you pointed that out, the idea of accepting help. Was that something like you throughout your life struggled with? Like, have you been okay asking for help and accepting help? Or is that something that kind of is also, you've been kind of learning that you can do more of?
1: It's definitely something that I've learned more of. Um, For me, it's, it's like, what could someone really do to help? You know, like, like, no offense, Tim, but there's, there's nothing that you could really say or, or probably do to help me overcome my anxiety, but that doesn't mean that you can't help me through it or help me endure it. Um, And and for me, it was always that, that kind of like, well, I appreciate the offer, but, you're gonna do what you do to try to help, and I'm still gonna have anxiety. And what I what I've realized over time is that while nothing cures it, while nothing helps, conversely, every everything helps, and everything um, can be comforting and, and lend a hand. So it, I don't know, maybe. Well, February 6th will make 14 or 15 years now since my oldest had a traumatic brain injury. And I'm so glad to report now, you'd never know that she had a traumatic brain injury, but she was 15 months at the time. She was lifelighted to Primary Children's Hospital. Oh, wow. Um, she had multiple brain surgeries and was in a coma for a month. And multiple times the, the doctors would come in and tell us, You need to go say goodbye. She's not going to make it through the hour. She truly is a miracle. And I think it was in that experience that I saw so many people there wanting to help, but knowing there's nothing I can do to help next daughter get better. Right? Like there there wasn't. Even doctors were like, I don't know what else to do. This, This is going to be a miracle but they were there and they were offering and they were showing support and that was so comforting and that was so helpful and so i think we have to we have to recognize that we we're not going to be able to take away someone's pain or their struggles or the the things that they're battling with but we certainly can offer warmth and support and if even only for a moment, it helps brighten someone's day, and makes them feel better, then, God, oh, that was totally worth it.
0: I love that, man. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I'm I'm sorry to hear that that happened to your oldest. But also, I'm so happy for you and your family that everything turned out the way it did. And I mean, I just honestly, Nick, I was you know, tears are starting to come to my eyes just thinking about that. I have two children myself, nine and five. So I mean, anyone with any children, I'm sure can relate just the thought of anything like that happening. It's just, you know, it's the one, the one of a million things you just hope never, ever happens um, to to any child, let alone your own child. Um, Wow. I just, that's, I'm so happy that you know, you said 15 years later. (laughs) Yeah. So, so are we, she's, um,
1: she's got a special light around her and she certainly offers great comfort to me when I'm feeling this way. And, And a reminder that, you know, life is, is really great and there's so much to be grateful for and, and happy about and to recognize. And, and I think that's part of the that's part of my battle, at least with anxiety and depression, is logically I know these things. Logically, I know that the sun is going to come up and shine. Now it may be snowing and raining and and dropping icicles in Chicago, you know, for a weekend. But like, there's always another day. There's yeah. there's always something to be happy about. Life is inherently good, um, but sometimes no logically knowing that, but then not being able to emotionally, um, feel that that can be really exhausting and it it can be a, it can be a challenge to try to deal with that dynamic.
0: Yeah. I imagine that has to be that like internal battle where, like you said, you understand that logically tomorrow's a new day. It's a refresh, but at the same time, it's almost something you can't easily change like that internal back and forth. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it can, it can wear on you. You know, I I was telling a close friend of mine today at lunch, uh, he was, he was talking to me about this post on LinkedIn and, um, and we've only recently become close friends, but, but, um, he was like, how do you, you know, how do you really describe anxiety to someone who doesn't have anxiety? And to me, it's a little bit like as a parent, you can relate to Christmas Eve and how much work you've put into Christmas Eve. And and you, you put your kids to bed and you're, you know, you've got so much going on and it kind of feels like it's this never ending thing. And a lot of parents don't go to bed until two or three in the morning, but then you wake up in the morning. And it's Christmas morning and you get to see your kids' faces, and it's just this magical kind of like there's a payoff at the end. Well, sometimes anxiety feels like it's Christmas Eve, and you work and you work and you work and you you plan and you prep and and then you wake up the next morning only to find out that it's Christmas Eve again. And and you're like, Oh my gosh, it didn't I, I didn't get that gift from all this work, and now I've got to go do it again, and it just repeats over and over and over. And it can be this emotionally exhausting feeling and it can feel like it's your kind of Bill Murray and groundhog's
0: day. That's exactly um, what I was just thinking was you yeah. describing that groundhog day movie. Like it, it's like a sense of being trapped then I imagine like, cause the question I was going to ask when you, when I was thinking groundhog day was in the Christmas Eve example, You are anticipating and hoping for the joy of Christmas morning and kind of that payoff you described. But, and not to get too technical here, but I'm thinking the beauty of Groundhog Day was that over time, you know, at least in the beginning, Bill Murray realized quickly what was happening and kind of gave up any hope of the joy coming. Um, So I'm wondering, like, is that kind of the feeling where do you still always have the hope or is it over a period of time you start to? understand that you're kind of in this loop if that makes sense
1: yeah um boy i think it's probably different for everyone and i i've gone through through bouts where that hope is there and in some ways that's really helpful and in other ways it's almost worse um it it keeps you going and moving and and that hope can keep you motivated but then to just keep getting beat down. Like, ah, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And and what's crazy about anxiety is like the Christmas Eve thing, you know, what, what the payoff is on Christmas morning. A lot of times with anxiety, you don't know what the payoff is, but there's this, there's this hope that there is going to be a payoff, but what is it? I don't know. How do I describe it? I don't know. Maybe it's that I didn't do the right things today to create that payoff for the next day. And, And that can be, that can be demoralizing.
0: Yeah, that is, that is tough. I'm just, I love kind of that analogy you gave of the the Christmas Eve, because I'll be honest with you, like I understand anxiety to a degree, um, but I've learned now that I did not understand it fully. And I feel like you've really helped me kind of paint the picture of, and I know it's gotta be really hard to do, but if, you know, a little bit, I feel like I understand a little bit more now of what you're feeling to the best that I possibly can, without being you and feeling it.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a hard thing to try to wrap your head around. And and today the the analogy is Christmas Eve, and tomorrow it's maybe something else. But it's um, I, I do think oftentimes people sympathize with depression, and oh well, you're sad. Um, and anxiety, it's like oh will you worry. Well, I I don't necessarily worry. It's it's this feeling of no payoff, right? And um, I think anxiety is a little more is it's a little less known, and it's it's incredibly nuanced and it's incredibly different for every person, I think. But it is a very real thing, and it's it's something that somehow there's there's some level of comfort when you talk about it and when you discuss it because. Logic. You, you're, you can speak logically about what you're feeling and, and somehow when you say those words into, into the open, it makes it a little bit better and it, it helps you recognize, wow, this is a logical thing. Um, and I think maybe that's part of why subconsciously I, I shared it on LinkedIn. Um, anxiety and depression can be a hard thing to share with your friends and family because it feels so personal. And oftentimes, if I admit that I'm feeling a certain way, then my, my wife is like, oh, well, you're depressed. Does that mean that you're sad with me? And, you know, quite frankly, it, it, as weird as this is, like, no, it has nothing to do with her. It's, it's totally me. I'm so happy with my wife. I love her. I would do anything for her. But it's hard for her to not internalize that she is the cause of that depression or that my CEO doesn't believe that my workload is the cause of my anxiety. Um, so it can be harder sometimes to share with those that are closest to you because it can, unknowingly, they can kind of take that on as it's their responsibility. And then it, it adds a layer of pressure to both, both parties. Where when I spoke it out into existence on LinkedIn and there were, uh, hundreds of thousands of people that, that read that post and literally thousands of people who've responded back. It it wasn't about them. And it really wasn't even about me. It was about the anxiety. It was about the depression. And there, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that that could be healing like it was.
0: I like that way of thinking about it, that it was healing. That's very much how I feel about this. Um, you, when you talk about, you know, the fact that you shared it on LinkedIn with, with, you know, you said thousands and thousands of strangers and how it's hard to talk to a family, you know, friends about things like this without, like you said, kind of them not necessarily understanding how it's, or that they're not the ones causing it for you, did you, had you told anyone about this like in your life prior or was this like just when you happened to kind of maybe even subconsciously feel like it was the time to tell people? Yeah, I I've definitely told
1: my my wife and my parents. Um and a couple of really close friends, but but really I've I've kept it under wraps because you you don't know how people are going to react, and you—you you don't want someone at work to um, judge you because of it, or or think differently of you because of it. So, I've I've shared it closely, and uh, or you know I've shared it with close friends and family, but but that's it. This was the first time I've kind of publicly put a stake in the ground and said, "This this is me," and this is something that that, uh, I deal with. And, you know, I post, I, I posted it kind of scared to hit publish. And I went back a couple times and thought I'm going to delete this. And I decided not to, and I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't because now I'm able to have these great conversations with people like yourself. Um, I have someone on my team who's since come to me and said, I struggle with the same thing and we're talking about it and working on it. It's built a bond between me and my CEO, Scott. Um, I I'm talking with a, with a um, mental health advocacy group in Utah now that's trying to help surface this and create solutions. And it's, it's really neat to be a part of that and to to be a part of it saying I'm someone who struggles with this and this is what I think might help or might not help. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it's really, this is really the first time that I've, I've kind of been willing to show my true colors.
0: It's fascinating too. This is another thing I think about a lot and a theme that's popped up in this podcast, but this idea that, A, you can have such an impact on others, but B, that you didn't even know you could or are having. um, You know, you think about an alternate route here where you don't publish that on LinkedIn, on this tool that has this reach to so many people. um, And maybe you keep it to yourself. Maybe you share it with a few close friends or, you know, family. um and maybe it doesn't reach as many people and it doesn't Im- create the impact that you've created. It just makes me think about, you know, not, not necessarily that we all have a responsibility, but we all have the opportunity whether we realize it or not to create such a positive impact on others. Um, you know, I just, I guess I'm just saying thank you for, you know, not deleting that and for for sharing that because I mean, that's great, you know, connecting with someone at work. And like you said, people have reached out to you. And it's like, you know, you think about the ripple effects, especially if we're talking about volumes and volumes of people, thanks to the internet, you know, we can connect all these people now. That ripple effect of your positive impact, I'm sure there's even the edges of it that you've yet to hear about, where you've created a difference in someone's life and they haven't had the opportunity to actually tell you that yet. That's just such an amazing thing to me now. And I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to, to do that.
1: Well, it certainly meant, um, it's meant a lot to me to have so many people be warm and supportive. And, you know, I think, I think there are really great people out there like yourself that are helping people feel comfortable, not just being authentic, right? I think authentic is this this buzzword a little bit. Um, but, but you're finding a way to help people be vulnerable. And there's a whole layer of that that is just so powerful and it's empowering. And I think the more people we can have, like yourself, um, supporting people and surfacing these things and, and being kind when someone is vulnerable, the better, because I, this isn't something that gets better unless people acknowledge it and start working together to, to solve and to, to, to be there to lift each other up when it might feel impossible to pick yourself up. So uh, I appreciate the kind words you shared, but I, I look at the, the work you're doing and the way that you are approaching this, and I just I hope that more people follow your lead. Myself included.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Lift them up. Uh, I love how you said that. To me, that's really what it's about. It's just we all have the ability to lift each other up. And at the end of the day, you know, that's. um, I I interviewed um, Eve Simon a couple episodes ago, uh, another great interview. And she talked about how, you know, I, I might not be quoting exactly, but this idea of there's nothing for us to gain by being negative. Like you're not going to win anything by pushing others down. So why even think about it? Like what, why would we not try and lift each other up and be positive when there's so much to gain from that and nothing from the inverse. So uh, you just reminded me of that. It's a,
1: it's a great thought really. And it's, I somehow, I think it's easier said than done Oh yeah. Uh, Because we, we all struggle with insecurities and emotions that sometimes are really hard to define. And you look, you look up and you're like, Oh wow, I was, I was being negative. I was, uh, I was judging. I was, uh, thinking selfishly, but having empathy and, and understanding how to exercise that empathy. That's a superpower. Right. I mean, it, it is, it is a superpower to be able to listen to someone else without motive, just, just to understand, just to be there. And sometimes it's, it's the people who don't say anything at all, but they're just there that make the biggest difference.
0: That's so true. I love how you said that, Nick, uh, empathy being a superpower. I think that's absolutely so true. You know, I love you know, I was, whenever I interview someone on on the podcast, I love to kind of, to the best of my ability, you know, kind of see what I can learn about them and and, you know, kind of who they are as a person. And, you know, since I was on LinkedIn, you know, and you're pretty active on there, I saw this other post of yours and, you know, I won't read the whole thing, but you just kind of talked about how we're all just, you know, we're all just... Just people. I mean, you literally said we're all just people, after all. People with hobbies and interests, people with insecurities and needs, people with dreams and aspirations, people who want someone to just be real with them. And that, Nick, those one, two, three, four, five sentences just spoke to me because that's such a theme in my life. And what I've really learned over the past couple of years is that, and I really struggled with this. I, we're all just people. I mean, like you think about anything that gets done in this world. I mean, for better or worse, it's because one person and another person got along and achieved something. And now that could be that, you know, that person was able to help them out and they helped each other out or they did it out of the goodness of their heart or whatnot. But like you said, we all have needs, insecurities, dreams, hobbies. Like we're just people. And yeah, I just, I I get the sense that you... Like the same way I said that's just kind of like my mantra. It seems it might be I don't want to speak for you, but it seems like you have a similar mantra, like where you just believe that we are all people. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. I I think I mean I'd never really thought what is my mantra, but but I think people are awesome. I I think there's so much to learn from from each other and to appreciate about the human being sitting in the car next to you or um, interviewing you for a job or waiting in line at, at McDonald's behind you, right? Like if we just took a moment to look up from our screens and to interact with one another, I think we'd find that there are so many great people out there who are inherently good and have a lot to share and a lot to give. Um, and I, I just feel like being, being real with one another and being personal is, is so important. Um, I've made it a, a mission this year. I don't really believe in uh, new year's resolutions, but I've, I've made it a mission this year to get personal and I'm, some of the things I'm trying to do are not, not talk about the weather, but have conversations like this. I mean, this is, this is the first time you and I have ever been on a phone call. Right. And I think we're being really personal with one another and real. Um, I have this weird, (laughs) um, one of the things that brings me the most joy every day is I handwrite a letter and I, Put it in the mail. I went and I bought 365 stamps and 365 envelopes, and every single day I write a handwritten letter and I oh send my. it to somebody. Re- and did,
0: how do you pick who to send it to?
1: So I have a Google spreadsheet of people that uh, come to mind, and I, right now I've you know I've sent 27, and I've got a list of like 13 other people. I have no idea who the other 300 plus are going to be. But every couple of days I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been so long since I've talked to this person. I'm not going to send him a text message. I'm not going to email him or reach reach out to him on Facebook. I'm going to send him a text message or I'm going to send him a, a handwritten letter. And it's a postcard and it's like five lines. And I always try to include some sort of like inside joke that we had way back in the day. Um, but I can't, What what's really wild is The first like five or six days, I was sending them out, not expecting anything in return. And then all of a sudden I get a, I get a text message and then it's almost like every day I get a text message from the person I sent a handwritten note to five or six days before. Like, oh my gosh, it's so good to hear from you. How have you been? I'm going to lunch with these people now. I'm getting on the phone with them, but it's just, it's trying to be personal because I, I just think there's so much value in that. And I know that's, that's a silly, weird thing. And it's not something that is unheard of, right? People are sending handwritten letters every day. But it's, it's just the whole mentality that I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be real with people this year. I'm going to try it. And 27 days in, I feel like it's been much more powerful and meaningful than I ever could have imagined.
0: Well, and part of, to me, part of the personal aspect of that is the time and energy and thought that you're putting into that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, you know, there's, we're all bidding, sending a bid. If I, if I send you a text message, you know, and ask you something, tell you something, I'm bidding for, for your attention and maybe your love and whatnot, but to sit down, think about who you're writing to, grab a postcard, grab a pen, like that's, and write a handwritten, even a couple sentences or a sentence. That's a pretty big bid of of investment in in being personal. I mean, that's. I just love that, Nick. I mean, I really think that's a strong signal you're sending, and you're really living what you just described of being personal. Like, what a great interpretation of that. Well, thanks. The
1: surprisingly, the hardest part about it is finding an address.
0: <laughs> that was my next question. It can, was it can be really hard people. to find an address.
1: <laughs> So, I've certainly uh, sent, sent some to, to old the wrong... addresses for sure. Yeah, yeah. as you
0: say, you're sending yeah. the wrong address.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like I haven't heard from this person. I wonder what's up. And then I look and I, on LinkedIn, I'm like, oh, they don't even work at the company I sent that to. Cause that's the, that's kind of the easy way out is you send it to the company.
0: Oh, uh,
1: it's easier to find their address that way. But, um, or you feel like a creep if you're asking them for it. And I think it kind of ruins the, this the element of surprise there so most of the time it just goes to their wherever they work
0: wow now i'm just thinking because we are just barely a month into 2020 uh what a fun challenge to yourself to you know hold accountable and do all 365 and because i'm sure you know uh at some point you're going to be you know 100 200 people in and be thinking you know who's next uh yeah. but what a fun challenge to yourself to to keep it going <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's been uh it's been a good experience. It, it feels good for sure.
0: What other ways um that's an amazing way to be personal. Um but I'm curious you know kind of being your mission for the year. Um what other ways have you thought about like being personal and maybe not it doesn't have to be such a grand gesture but are there other like little ways that you've thought about kind of really living that that mission?
1: Yeah, there
0: has been. Um,
1: some are just when I, um, and I, I'm not great at it, but when I unplug for the day, leaving my phone in my office so I can just be totally present with my kids or when I go to lunch with with a friend, um, like I, I went to lunch, I was telling you I went to lunch with a friend today, I put my phone in my backpack and there, there's just zero distractions that way. Um, I don't know that he even noticed, but but it's something that just removes that distraction and and that moment of, of boredom where you're like, oh, what's happening? And you get on your phone and you check LinkedIn or whatever. Um, but I just completely unplugged for the 65 minutes or 70 minutes we were at lunch together today. So I, I think things like that are really important. Um, I, I mentioned the Slack group. I, that's another way that I'm, I'm trying really hard to, to get in there. Part of the reason when I, when I invited people, I said, look, this is, there's no metrics. It, it's not about how many people like your comment or reply to your comment. It's about connections. And if, if you don't have anything to add to somebody, okay, that's fine. But, but they're here and, and, um, like I said, it was really cool because last week, two people who had never met each other put a picture in our Slack group, uh, JJ and, um, Brad, uh, and they were like, Hey, JJ was up in Logan today, stopped by and me and Brad went to lunch together. And it was the two of them with their arms around each other.
0: Oh, how nice that was just that? so,
1: yeah, it was so cool. Um, maybe I was the only one in that Slack group that got the warm fuzzies over it, but it was, it was neat. Cause it was like, wow, I'm kind of helping other people get personal and get connected. So I don't have a, a lot of ways that I'm, that I'm doing it, but I'm open to any suggestions um, because I just think it's, it's really, it's worth the time and the effort.
0: I think those are great ways. I mean, those three ways alone, Like you think about that impact. I mean, those two people right there, you created an impact. But even just being more present, um, definitely with your family, I mean, the kids, and it's such a struggle with all the devices we have nowadays, but also just a simple act of a meal together, you know, with a colleague going to lunch during the Mm workday and just simply being present and personal with them. I think that's a huge, you know, that's what you might call, you know, uh, low effort but high reward. I mean, it doesn't take much or hopefully it doesn't take much for us anymore. Maybe we're getting worse at this, but to to disconnect, but the the reward from that and you know the enriched relationship you can get from with someone from investing in a lunch like that is I think that's there's no better way in my opinion to get personal. I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. The the investment in time really says a lot about, about a a person, right? Um, It can be, I mean, look, I'm the kind of guy that I, for years, I don't like phone calls. If you call my cell phone, 100% I won't answer. In fact, 801-513-6677. I'll never answer my phone. My voicemail says, hang up and send me a text message. (laughs) And I'll respond to a text, but this even got me thinking like, maybe I should, is that just so far removed that I'm not willing to have a phone call with someone that it has to be a text because it's so much more convenient, but a text can also be way less personal and meaningful. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to answer anyone's phone call, but uh, I'm, I'm at least thinking about it. And for 10 years, that's been my voicemail. For ten years, wow! Oh yeah, I get, and I get some heat for it too. From um, I have some recruiter friends who've said like, "Oh, that doesn't look very professional." If you had someone that was trying to chase you, and I'm like, "Well, I- I'm very accessible in other ways." So I've just accepted it, right? Like that's kind of been my brand. But um, and part of it is that as someone who I'm an I'm an introvert disguised as an extrovert. Um, so it, it takes a lot of effort for me to to get out there and do those things. Once I'm there, I'm, I can do it, and I, I'm I'm into it, and I want to be personal. But I don't. I'd rather have a lunch one on one than go to a, a party and try to network with a thousand people. It's just not my style.
0: Um, it's draining for me. When you say you're an introvert disguised as an extrovert, what do you mean by disguise? Like trying to be an extrovert, or Like, what do you mean by disguised? For a long time, I think I
1: tried to pretend that I was an extrovert. Um, And I think if you ask people who I've worked with in the past or who have been close to me, they'd say, no, no, you're an extrovert. You're crazy. And I'm not. I, I thought that in order to be successful in business, I had to be an extrovert. So I acted like an extrovert, but I'll tell you what, I would come home and I I would, it, it was all encompassing for me. Like I was exhausted. I was, I was just physically, mentally, emotionally drained because I don't, I don't gain energy through that experience. Like a typical extrovert does. Um, but I thought, you know, in order to be successful, I've got to be the guy that's like shaking hands and and laughing out loud at jokes and um, visible for everyone else, because that's that's a sign of success. But I've learned more and more that I'd much rather be the guy sitting down at a table with one or two other people having a really in-depth conversation. And I can and because that's who I am, I can probably be even more successful than faking as an extrovert. So I, I do think if I'm being honest with you and myself right now, I do think I faked it for a long time because I thought that's what I needed to do.
0: And trust me, no judgment coming from here, because I, I think we all fake so many things. I see myself doing it sometimes, like nowadays, like last week. Um it's funny. I mean, honestly, I see myself doing it in this interview. You have a very soothing voice in a very calm tone. Uh, you have a great voice for radio, by the way. and I have a face for radio too, Tim. <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> but, but listening to you, I can feel, I felt myself over the past 45 minutes adjusting my voice to try and be more like your voice. And not necessarily that, that that's faking it, but it's this idea of trying to be like a chameleon and trying to fit in with you right now, you know, trying not to, I'm a, ta- I'm a fast talker, I'm a loud talker, um, you know, if you get me riled up and excited about something, but I could just feel myself. I'm like, well, Nick has this calm, like, you know, we want to be kind of in line together. I don't want to get too crazy here and be like the opposite. Um. So I know what you mean. And that just fascinates me how we, I mean, I see it in children. I mean, it's one thing when you're growing up as children, like we're still developmentally growing. Maybe that's it though. We're never done developmentally growing because I mean, I'm 34 and I'm still trying to be a chameleon. Um, Yeah. That's just fascinating to me.
1: I don't, I don't know, Tim. I think there's something um, about a good communicator who, who can find an ability to to not just say really great things or ask good questions or listen, but, but to, um, mimic in some ways. And, and it's funny that you say that to me because I'm thinking it, in fact, if we read our first couple of messages back and forth on LinkedIn, I was like, wow, you have a very soothing, peaceful voice. And so I've kind of been like ramping myself up to, to mimic what you've been saying, which is so ironic that we're both (laughs) doing that in a sense, but I, but I do think that if if you're talking to someone soothing and you know they're they're at that pace and tone and you're coming in with a bullhorn, like that's not a good communicator, but if someone's coming in with a bullhorn and you come in whispering, that's also probably not going to be a good a good conversation and a good sign of a communicator. So I think that um, there's something to be said about about staying true to who you are, but also, finding a way to connect and tone and, um, and 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 approach in a conversation that that's that makes for a good conversation and hopefully people listening to this and ha- are enjoying this conversation personally I'm like oh we've been talking for however long like I feel like we could double this like you know I, I'm enjoying it I, I I feel like I'm gaining a lot out of it um, and I hope that I'm giving a little bit too but but I'm certainly really just like deeply connected to the conversation we're having
0: It's so funny I was just thinking the same thing like this is I can't thank you enough for taking the time today like this has yeah, one of the things I think about is just and I've another theme that's come up a lot in this podcast is being putting yourself in a position to be open to the opportunities that might come your way from, whatever the universe means to you. Like I'm not a very religious person, but I do truly believe now there is some alignment that happens. And I feel like you and I being able to have this conversation, which I agree with you. I am in love with this conversation. Like you are just such an easy person to talk to. I'm so thankful for whatever those alignments were that caused me to see that LinkedIn post and you to be available and us to have this opportunity. Um, yeah. I just love that. Thank you so much, Nick. I really genuinely mean that. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. I,
1: I appreciate um, the opportunity to get on a phone call with you and um, share really personal, deep things. Um, it means a lot. And I hope that you and I can have more of these uh, and record it or not, right? Like I just, I, I enjoy this a lot and it, it means a lot to me. And, and I just, I can't say it enough. I appreciate what you what you are attempting to surface and the way that you are connecting with, with people who are willing to, to get vulnerable and to share. So uh, please keep doing this because you've got, you've got someone who is really enjoying the, the conversations you're having and your approach to just, people it, it's it's really spectacular so thanks for having me on i i appreciate it a lot
0: thanks for listening to we're only human please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app rate and review us and share this episode with a friend thanks